This is the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to this month's podcast. Before I get into the content, I want to encourage you to come and hear John Maxwell. He's going to be with us on the weekend of the 15th and 16th, our Saturday night and Sunday morning service. And I've asked him to do two different messages on each day. Uh, if you're a leader, it's such a great opportunity just to come and hear John uh, Saturday at 6 and then Sunday at 10. Many of you that are hearing this uh, are pastoring and perhaps obviously are busy Sunday. But uh, if you're in the area, make certain to give yourself the opportunity to come and to hear John uh, on Saturday night. I'm sure you won't regret it. It's a great opportunity. This month, I want to cover something that I think is so, crit- so, so critical in the hour that we're living And it's a subject that's greatly misunderstood, even among pastors, even among Christian leaders, is the gift of repentance. But the gift of repentance in this context, experiencing God's presence. Let me read a scripture to you that you may or should be familiar with in Acts chapter 3, after the healing of the man at the temple gate called Beautiful, where Peter and John prayed for him. Peter then spoke to to those that were present. And here's part of the message in Acts 3.19. He said, repent, turn, think differently, and be converted or completely changed so that your sins may be obliterated and wiped away, so that times of refreshing, now the literal Greek means recovery of breath, may come from the presence of the Lord. Now I want you to notice the connection in this verse to the act of repentance or turning, thinking differently, and recovering your breath or experiencing a time of refreshing the presence of God. Now, so important, when I say the presence of God, I don't mean the fact that God's always present everywhere. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. The difference between his general presence and his manifest presence is simply this. If you're in a room with 50 people, everybody's present. If one of them is identified and stands up and yells their name, their presence now has been fully manifested. It's in the manifest presence of God that you catch your breath. We're living in an hour that I've never seen in my life before. When he talks about times of refreshing, the term recovery of breath literally speaks to someone who is completely out of breath and can't catch it. I think one of the most real and difficult circumstances or or examples is if someone's experiencing a panic attack. They feel like they're dying. They cannot catch their breath. The hour we're living today, it's so critical as leaders that we understand we are living in a distressed and a totally out of breath generation. Now, I have never seen Christians, including Christian leaders, in this condition and state in 41 years of ministry. Back when I started in ministry and certainly the last 29 years of pastoring, there was a certain, if you will, rhythm to national traumas. It seemed that every six to eight years, a national trauma would hit and people would turn to God. Christians would, would, if you will, repent or turn back to him. And those who didn't know God would be drawn toward him. Now the waves of national trauma are unending. They're not six to eight years apart. They're sometimes not even six days apart. And here's the sad realization and fact. It is not going to get better. It is not going to get better. People, Christians, Christian leaders are not going to get better by having space between the events. 
So the real question I want to answer before we get into the greater content, why does it actually feel the way it does today? Why why does it feel this way for everybody? Here's the bottom line, because it is this way. You know, there's so many statistics about the increase in uh, the dramatic increase in the last three years of anxiety, anxiety attacks and depression. Barna recently came out with with a, a survey comparison. 2021, Barna surveyed pastors. Now, this percentage is epidemic already. And 29%, this is in 2021, of pastors were considering abandoning their calling. And they were citing stress, anxiety, and depression as the cause. Now, one year later, that jumped to 42% or 13% uptick in one year. People are losing their breath. Pastors are and Christian leaders are, are, are literally giving away the most precious things in their life. They're walking away from their calling because they can't catch their breath. And I want to help you to see why it's happening and what we should be doing about it in our individual lives and as Christian leaders with the people with whom we lead. Now, Jesus pointed us to this fact that would occur in the last days. Let me read it to you. In Luke 21, in verse 26, Jesus said this. Now, think of this from a leadership context, not just your personal experience. But if this is happening to leaders, what's going to happen to those who were charged to serve? Jesus said this, men's hearts will fail them because of fear. What a perfect illustration of anxiety and depression and stress. He said, men's hearts will fail them because of fear and because of the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when, not if, but when these things begin to happen, Jesus commanded us to do something. In the hour that you're living in, I am living in right now. He said, look up, lift up your head. Because your redemption or your redeemer draws near to you. Look up, lift up your head. He's saying, turn to me, look at me, refocus on me, think differently than what is causing men's hearts to fail them because of fear. Men's hearts to fail them because they're the literal expectation of the ongoing distress and evil coming upon the earth. There is amazing power in repentance. And if we're going to experience a time of refreshing, or if you will, catching your breath, it's an absolute necessity. Now, when it comes to the word repentance, there are so many misunderstandings about it. That's such a negative connotation. What repentance isn't for a Christian is asking for forgiveness. That's, by definition, asking for forgiveness. Repentance isn't turning away from a sin or a behavior or a weight that keeps you back from serving God. That's that's part of repentance, but it's really not the greatest part. Please remember this. Repentance is not what you turn from or something you turn from, but rather to whom you point toward. You don't repent from something, but rather you repent toward someone. That's all repentance means to turn and go in the other direction, not just away from something, but toward someone. Repentance 
isn't deciding to stop sinning, but rather choosing a change of direction toward God, the God who will empower you, the God who will help you catch your breath, the God who will refresh you, and the God that will give you freedom and peace in the midst of a generation whose hearts are failing them because of fear and the expectation of things coming upon this planet. But again, let me repeat, repentance is a prerequisite to experiencing a time of refreshing or a catching of your breath from the presence of God. Now, let me get specific and, and let's look into the life of Lot. It's one of the greatest examples of the, in the Bible of a man who failed to repent and the outcome of what occurred because of that failure. Now, for most of you listening to this podcast, you're going to have a reference for Lot. He was the patriarch, Abraham's nephew. And when Abraham left the era of Chaldees to obey God, to just leave and go in the direction God called him, Lot went with him. Now, over time, God's blessing began to abound upon Abraham. And it also began to abound upon Lot. And then Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen began to have conflict over the land because there wasn't enough land with the two of them together to be able for them to, to, to actually have all of their herds exist. So the employees basically were fighting. Abraham comes to Lot and he said, look, we're family. This is wrong. Here's what we'll do. You pick the best land you want. Pick whatever direction you want to go. You go that way with your employees and your substance and whichever way you choose, I'll, I'll, I'll go the opposite. This is really important. This is really important. When you understand the story of Lot, if we don't understand what he chose in that moment. Now, what Lot should have said is, listen, uncle, 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 here's the deal. I have flocks and herds and employees because of the blessing of God and the presence of God in your life. And what he should have done is gone to his employees and said, hey, listen, uh, you're all about to get fired. None of you are going to be working for me because I'm going to take everything I own and I'm going to kill it all or sell it all. And we won't have these conflicts. But somehow Lot thought his substance and what he had came. Listen, this is so important as a leader. Somehow he believed it came independently of the blessing, the covenant, the kindness and the mercy of God. So, so very important. And Lot began to experience things in his life that were brutal, absolutely brutal. And that's exactly what's happening to people today. It's why Jesus said to us, in the last days again, he pointed to Lot, and he actually told us to remember Lot's wife. Let me read it to you. I want you to see the context. In Luke 17, Jesus, again, pointing to the hour in which we're living, said this, it was the same in the days of Lot, People were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, and building. But the day Lot left, the day he left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed it. And then in verse 30, he said, now listen, it will be just like this on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. What does he mean? On the day of Christ's return, he said people are going to be eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting. But when I come and rescue my people, and I catch them away. He said, on that day, the worst parts of the book of Revelation are going to start to happen, basically. And then he said this, on that day, no one who's on the roof should, should go down from his house with his goods inside. No one should go get them. If you're in the field, don't go back for anything. Then he says these three words, remember Lot's wife. 
For whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Jesus is telling us in the hour in which we're living, remember what Lot did. Remember what his wife did. Because in the hour in which you live, if you don't think through the example of what happened to them, you will follow it. Now, Lot had a failure of repentance in his life. The first thing he should have repented from is leaving. And what happened is simply this. Lot chose the best land, and he turned his eyes toward a city called Sodom. And the Bible said he went toward Sodom, and then he pitched his tent there. He made a permanent dwelling in Sodom. Now, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah were two of the most wicked, ungodly cities, maybe in the history of man, so much so that it demanded the judgment of God. But here's a key I want you to see as a leader. Lot had confidence in the land that he would choose, but Abraham had confidence in the God who chose him. I want to say that again. Lot had confidence in the land that he would choose to sustain his life and to bring blessing to him and to sustain everything about him. But Abraham had confidence in the God who had chosen him. Abraham didn't care which direction he went. The only thing he cared about is that where he went, he brought the presence of God. Lot built a permanent dwelling in cities in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham, when he left Lot, the first thing he did was build an altar and went back to the presence of God. Lot's deception, which is the same deception that is befalling every Christian today, including Christian leaders, is this, is that Lot believed there was something good for him outside of the presence of God. That deception literally destroyed his life. Now, here's the key about Lot. The Bible refers to him as a righteous man. That's so important. Let me get into that now. In 2 Peter, listen now as Peter begins to describe what happened to Lot. And we know the context that God, of course, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the wickedness of that city. It said in in 2 Peter 2.6, listen now. And God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, turning them into heaps of ashes. He made an example of what would happen to ungodly people. And he delivered righteous Lot. Now listen, he delivered righteous Lot. We don't have time to go into the story, but you know God sent two angels uh, literally appearing just as as men. And as in in the book of Hebrews, it says, we even in the new covenant can entertain uh, strangers or angels unaware when we entertain and are hospitable to to strangers. Now listen, and he said, and God delivered righteous Lot who was vexed. Now that word vexed simply means to be worn down through the continual application of something. It said, righteous Lot became vexed with the filthy behavior and lifestyle of the wicked. For that righteous man living among them and continually seeing and hearing them caused something to happen. It caused his righteous soul to be vexed. Now, in this, in this verse, the word vexed literally means tortured. His soul became vexed and worn down and tortured day after day after day with their godless deeds. Lot's example of when we turn away from the presence of God for something we believe that will sustain us more greatly, even if it looks right, even if it feels right, even though Abraham came to Lot, 
Somehow Lot believed that the blessing of his life was a result of his own efforts. Nothing you are as a Christian and as a Christian leader, nothing you have, including your gifts and talents, come from you or me. They are a gift from God, and only to his glory do we have them. But when your soul becomes vexed, this is so critical for Christian leaders today. When your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions becomes vexed, worn down, or tortured, and I would include tortured in the terms of anxiety attacks, anxiety, depression, debilitating depression. When that occurs in your life, you will lose the ability to make wise choices. You will give away the most precious things in your life and not know you're doing it. And no matter how ungodly Sodom became, Lot never repented and turned back to Abraham or the presence of God. At any time, he could have gathered up his family and said, hey, we're going back to Abraham. We somehow thought I was deceived, that I was going to be kept and I was going to be blessed and I was going to maintain that wonderful thing that came from the presence of God. And he never did it. It was so bad that that city had become so filthy and broken and disgustingly sin-stained with sexual perversion that God had to judge it. And Lot never repented of it. But God in his mercy sent two men, two angels who, who appeared as men to deliver Lot and his family. And here's the sad thing. The angel said, bring your wife and your daughters and your future son-in-laws. Lot went to his son-in-laws, told them of the pending judgment, and they laughed at him. They thought he was joking. They stayed behind and they died. Here's what I want you to see as a leader. If, uh, if there's anything that you would take away from this, please hold on to this. There was a cost of Lot failing to repent. There was a cost when I failed to turn from the lie that there's something good for me outside of God. And listen to what Proverbs 10, 17 says. This is from the Amplified. He who listens to instruction and correction is not, he not only keeps himself in the way of life, but is also a way of life for others. And he who neglects or refuses instruction and correction not only goes astray himself, but also causes other, others to follow him and shows them a path of ruin. Today, leaders are being convinced that there's something good for them outside of God, something that, that is greater than their calling, greater than the mission of their life, greater than who they are in their identity in Christ. And departing from God's purpose for their life, God's plan for their life, even daily practices of experiencing his manifest presence. And we're filling those things in just like Lot did with the expectation that we will catch our breath. Lot's failure to repent led his family on a pathway of not only bad choices, but absolute ruin. You remember when the angels came and the city was so wicked, the men of the city gathered around Lot's house when they knew they were there, these two men. And they commanded Lot to send the two men out to them so they could have sex with them and rape them. And in my view, they would have raped them to death. And here's what Lot did. Remember, when your soul is vexed, you will give away the most precious things in your life. Your ability to choose wisely will depart from you and you won't even know it.
instead of Lot just saying, no, you can't have them, he said, take my two virgin daughters and rape them instead. How vexed does the soul of a man have to be that that is an option to him? Now, remember, the Bible calls him righteous Lot. What is that? Why is that so important? Because even a person who's walking with God, who's right with God through Christ, their soul can become so vexed that they can make decisions that are unimaginable. And once the angel delivered them, Lot's wife made a decision and she turned back. He said, look, by my mercy, God said, I'm delivering you from your bad decision that you wouldn't repent of. And he said, but don't turn back toward it ever again. If you do, there'll be a consequence. And Lot's wife was so vexed in her soul that even as judgment was falling on those two cities, she turned and looked at them and she died. And she became a pillar of salt. I'm not, I, I quite don't know exactly what that means. All I know is that that's not what Jesus meant when he said, be the salt of the earth. And it cost her her life. And it costs Lot his wife. And now an angel tries to take Lot to a place of safety. And Lot is so still driven by fear that he says, no, let me come to this cave. And Lot goes into a cave with his two daughters. In his daughter's minds and souls have been so vexed. They realize their future husbands are gone. They, co- they collude with each other. Hey, we need to have uh, children and there are no men. We need to have sex with our father. And two nights in a row, they got their father totally drunk and he didn't even realize it. the scripture said, and he had sex with his own daughters and they both conceived. I want you to see the outcome. I want you to see the outcome of what occurs when a man or a woman's soul is vexed. This is a righteous man. And now they had two kids, Moab and Ammon, where we get the Moabites and the Ammonites, two people groups that became the enemies of God. Imagine the progeny of Lot, the lineage of Lot and the legacy of Lot became the enemies of God through an incestuous birth. It cost him everything not to repent. And, and he could have done it at any time. And by the way, so can I, and so can you. Remember this repentance is a gift from God. It's not a burden. Romans 2, 4 says, don't you see how wonderfully good, kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see? And sometimes we can't. Can't you see that his goodness and kindness are designed to lead you into repentance, which causes a radical life change? The message adds that part. Repentance isn't just turning from something. It's coming into the presence of God where he can breathe upon you and where you can catch your breath and experience a radical life change. Repentance actually is a choice to be loved by your father, God. Every one of us as leaders are tempted to do this. Every human being that serves God is tempted to do this. That's why Jesus pointed us in two separate occasions to the last days and spoke of turning to God when these things would begin to occur. So let me again read Acts 3.19 and then give you a few takeaways or action steps so that you can walk in the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, and experience times of refreshing or catching of your breath. He said, repent, 
turn and think differently and be converted or completely changed so that your sins may be obliterated and wiped away. So that this would be the outcome. Times of refreshing or recovery of breath may come from the presence of God. I want to leave you with these simple takeaways. If you really, if you really want to continue or in my case, I think in all of our cases, get back to a place of times of refreshing. Number one, repent. Every one of us spend time before God and, and what's obvious, repent of and turn from. But I found that much of it's not obvious. That when I've gotten on my knees and said, Father, what is it? Where have I made the mistake of Lot? That it may not be a sinful behavior, but where have I determined that investing my life outside of what you have for me? Where, where do I believe that there's good for me outside of your direct plan for my life? He'll speak to your heart about it. And whatever that is, whether the obvious things that we must turn from or the not so obvious that he'll reveal to your heart, turn from them. But just don't turn from them with human will. And I, and I promise God's speech. But turn from them and enter into his presence where you will catch your breath. And, and it's, it's so simple. But I, if you're like me, there are seasons of your life where simple disappears. Every day of the world, spend time in the word of God. Every day of the world, spend time in prayer. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, worship him in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Spend time in worship of God. And then feed on the word of God through other people, ministries, podcasts, messages, through what the, the Bible calls the foolishness of preaching and get built up. And as you spend time with him, Every day of the world, you will be refreshed in his presence. But the only way you'll experience it is through an act of repentance first. And my prayer for you and everyone that hears this podcast is simply this, is that the Holy Spirit, the greater one on the inside of you, will awaken you to see how easily what happened a lot can happen to us. And more importantly, my prayer is for not just for those it may be happening to, but that it is happening at epidemic proportions, not just among lay people, if you will, but among Christian leaders. So that's my prayer for you. And I know that our God is faithful. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this. If it's helped you, share it, because this is an important time in the history of this nation for God's people to be refreshed in his presence. God bless you. Looking forward to catching up with you next month. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.